Can you think of a time that you were really scared? Uh, for me, I have a lot of moments where I've been afraid. And one in particular was several years ago, my wife and I were um, on an anniversary weekend in Temecula. And while we're there, we're at a bed and breakfast. It's gorgeous. It's so pretty outside. And, and we go there, we check in. And as we're checking in, we, 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 we get all dressed up and we go out to this beautiful Italian restaurant. Well, when we come back, it's so dark outside. There's no lights where the bed and breakfast is. It's a gravel parking lot. You kind of have to walk a little ways to get to the actual bed and breakfast. And, and we park. We've had a nice time. We're full. It's been fun. We've enjoyed our, our company with each other. And, and so we get out of the car, and it's dead quiet on top of a hill with a gravel parking lot. And all of a sudden, we're walking. It's pitch black, mind you. Imagine this. All of a sudden, a guy comes walking around from the shed up the hill with a pitchfork. And he's, he's out of the blue. He's just like, how you doing? I mean, it freaked me out, man. I'd look at Diana. I'm like, run, Diana, run. And she starts to run in her high heels and, the, and all the gravel. In her little dress, she's trying to make it in. I mean, I didn't know who it was. I thought, this is Freddy Krueger. Jason's come out to kill us, man. And I'm racing myself to, to get to our room. And it wasn't even the main room. It was, it was like these little bungalows at the bed and breakfast. So we race in there. We're freaking out. I closed the, the, the door, closed the blinds, and there's a glass door, which this felt like the, the perfect scene for a murder story, movie, man. It was horrible. We're so freaked out about this. I can't go to sleep. It's out. We're staying up for hours. I keep looking through the blinds. No cell coverage. You know, there's no phone in our room. I'm like, Diana, go, go outside and see if it's okay. See if the coast is clear. <laughs> and and we, we're there, honestly, for a couple of hours, just very freaked out in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch dark. And finally, we fall asleep. There's a couple of hours we get of rest. In the morning time, we're so tired. We go into the main house and, and we get some breakfast. And I hear a voice, the same voice, lean over and say, I hope I didn't scare you last night. I'm like, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, like, man, what are you, you can't just run up on somebody in the dark talking about how you doing holding a pitchfork. But out, out loud, I was like, well, no, no, you mean last night? We run everywhere, man. <laughs> we were so terrified. It was horrible. Well, today, I want to talk to you about a moment in the life of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, who they were so terrified in Mark chapter 4. Jesus, here's the setting. Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee, the sea that we visited and the sea that you just saw. Jesus is there and the crowds begin to gather as they've heard about who Jesus is and they want to come see him for themselves. Jesus is there. He starts to teach a little bit and the crowds grow even bigger and bigger. And pretty soon it's too big and he gets in a boat and he kind of floats out to the sea a little bit for the amplification to teach. Well, Jesus teaches an entire sermon series in one day. As he's teaching, he's, he's talking about the, the four different types of soil. He talks about harvest. He talks about the kingdom of God. And then at the end of that, he says, at that night, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 opens up. Look in your notes. That day when evening came. That means Jesus has been preaching all night long. When evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so 
it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (laughs) The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and said, Be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. His disciples, then he looked to them, and he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Today I want to talk to you about storms, but I want you to understand the context of where we are. They're on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Here's where our story begins. They've already been in church for a long time, and if you grew up in church, You know what that feeling feels like, man. When you've been in church for a long time, you're hot, you're hungry, you're tired. You just want to go home. And Jesus is like, hey, let's keep this party rolling. (laughs) Jesus says, he's been teaching all day. Let's go to the other side. Now, apparently, Jesus spoke to the crowd at large, but now he wants to speak something private. And he wants to speak something direct and deeper to his interns. And verse 36 says this, that they had to leave the crowds behind. They left the crowds behind. I think it's interesting to note that sometimes God wants to take you a little deeper and he wants to take you a little further. And in order to go where God wants you to go, sometimes you're going to have to leave the crowd behind. See, sometimes the crowd's not going to understand. Sometimes the crowd's not going to be the best influence. Sometimes the crowd is not going to be able to go and they're not prepared to go where God's asked you to go. But if you want to go where God's called you to go, then you're going to have to leave the crowds behind sometimes. And I'm talking about those relationships that in your life, they seem to be the ones that are pulling you down. I don't mean that we can't be friends with people outside of church. We're called to be salt and light and encouragement to the world, God's representatives and his witnesses. But the moment that those friends begin to take their influence and pull you down every time you're trying to follow God, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it might be time for you to leave the crowd behind in order to walk into your destiny. But not only did they leave the crowd behind, they took Jesus with them in the boat. That's what verse 36 goes on to say. And why I say this is because it's very easy for us to to begin to go where God wants us to go, only to forget him in the process. And pretty soon we start off good, we start off doing right, but in the process of the going, we forgot the one who's doing the sending. (laughs) Jesus is here with them in the boat. And the Bible goes on to say that they get him in the boat, probably their boat, and they go out on the lake, the sea, which they have been on their entire life, something they're very familiar with. And then all of a sudden, what takes place next is something none of them could have foreseen. Out of the blue, a squall comes. You say, what's a squall? A squall is a fierce, violent wind. And not just a fierce, violent wind. The Bible says a furious squall. Now, you have to understand something. The context of this lake, this is the lowest lake in in the world, freshwater lake, only second to the Dead Sea, which is a few miles away from the Sea of Galilee. It's surrounded by mountains on every side. We went on that lake, and, and the, the storms were oftentimes would come out of the blue. It was a sudden, violent wind. And then the Bible goes on to say 
that we, at, we now have waves that are coming over top of the boat. It's breaking over the boat. Meaning the waves are not hitting the boat, the waves are overtaking the boat, and that's a scary place to be. Now imagine this, because these are professional fishermen. These guys grew up on this lake, they grew up fishing, and they're terrified. Now when you're in an airplane, and uh, have you ever been, been in an airplane where like the turbulence hits, and, and you freak out, you're, not, you're like, is the plane going down? Here's what you do. You need to look at the flight attendants. If the flight attendants are cool, you're going to be okay. If the flight attendants are freaking out, that's when you need to know you need to start freaking out. These professional fishermen, they were freaking out. They're terrified. Now, I don't know what your perception of a lake is, but we went on this lake in a boat, and it is a massive lake. It's the size of like Washington, D.C., And I went on that lake with several other friends and a pastor that we support in Israel, in Jerusalem. He said, Sean, I've been on this sea several years ago. And when I was on this sea with professional fishermen, he said a storm hit out of the blue. They had to drop their their fishing gear and we headed back into shore because they were terrified. Every once in a while, a storm like that hits. Now listen to me. Jesus is the one who led them into this storm. He asked them to go there, and a storm hit. Hey, write this down in your notes. I want you to understand this before we go any further, that sometimes Jesus purposefully leads us into places that are over our heads in order to help us see that it's not over his. Sometimes Jesus will allow you to go into a storm that's over your head purposefully because he's going to teach you something that it's not over his. Imagine this. The storm hits. The winds are blowing, the waves are blowing, the waves are crashing down on top of this this boat. The boat is filling with water. Now, I'm no boat expert, but one thing I do know, if the boat is filling with water, that's not a good sign. You do not want your boat to be filling with water. Water on the outside of the boat, that's okay. Water on the inside of the boat, that's probably not the best thing in the world. And so here they are, the boat is filling with water, and in the middle of all of this this squall, this storm, we find Jesus Christ of Nazareth is taking a nap. How many of you just got real excited because in our text, it just told us that taking naps is spiritual and biblical. Come on, somebody. Come on, how many love a good old nap? Jesus is taking a nap in the middle of all of this. Now, I've heard of some heavy sleepers before. I've heard of some people sleeping through uh, loud noises, but this is not sleeping through a loud noise. This is not sleeping through an alarm clock. This is sleeping through a storm tossed back and forth, back and forth. Jesus is in the middle of all this just, he's just, just taking a nap. And the waves are crashing down and the disciples are freaking out. And one of them is like, where's Jesus? And somebody says, I don't know. And they go and they find Jesus. He's in the stern of the boat sleeping on top of a cushion and they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? We're about to drown over here and you're over here taking a nap on your memory foam pillow? Like what is going on? And they can't understand it because in their perception, Jesus is completely oblivious to their impending doom. And they ask a question, Jesus, don't you even care? Like, don't you care We're in a storm. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever questioned Jesus, don't you care? You know what's crazy is that many times we will say some things that are far out there when we're in a panic. And Jesus Christ is here. 
And if you're not careful, your theology will go overboard right along with your faith in a storm. Jesus, don't, don't you care? Of course he cares. He created you. He loves you. He, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. As a matter of fact, he loves you more than anybody else on the planet. He loves you so much that he gave his very life for you to pay for sin so that you would not have to be separated from him for all eternity. He loves you. Of course he cares. Just because you have a storm does not mean that Jesus doesn't care. What I find interesting here is that verse 39 is humorous at best because Jesus gets up and he doesn't even acknowledge what they said. He just gets up, walks to the edge of the boat and says, be quiet. (laughs) In the same way that you and I would probably scream out of our bedroom window during the middle of the night at a dog barking in the neighborhood. Be quiet. Only unlike the dog who doesn't obey, the winds and the storm and the waves do obey Jesus and everything is completely calm. This is fascinating. Have you ever been like in a moment, in a place where it was really loud and you had to, you had to kind of yell to communicate to your friends? You're like, hey, this is, listen, afterwards we're going to go to the store. I mean, you're, you're yelling real loud and then all of a sudden it breaks and then the sound is quiet and you're still yelling. I feel like that's what happened here. I feel like this is what, what's going on. The disciples are like, Jesus! Storms going on, waves are crashing, wind is blowing, and they're yelling, Jesus, don't you even care? And Jesus says, quiet, calm, and they're still screaming, don't you even care? They said, we're about to die. It just got real quiet. And a holy hush comes not only on the lake, but on Jesus' disciples. And Jesus then looks at them and asks a very poignant question. He says, listen, listen to what he does not say. He does not say, what are you afraid of? He doesn't say, what are you afraid of? He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Insinuating that Jesus has done some things in their life. They have seen some things. Jesus has done things in their life and around their life, and Jesus is asking the question, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Is, have I not gotten through to you at all? That's when Peter stands up and says, well, Lord, I, I believed you, but Thomas over here, he, he's the one who doubted. <laughs> In this moment, you can imagine what took place on that boat as Jesus gets up, and then... And then In verse 41, the disciples, in utter amazement, they look at each other and they say, who is this? He's not just a man. He's not just a leader. Never in all of my years have I ever seen anybody with this type of power. He just got up and all he said was, quiet, quiet. That's all he said. Boom, quiet, and everything was calm. Everything, the wind and the waves obeyed him. I can't even get my dog to obey and hear the forces of nature bow to the name of Jesus. Who is this man? And they looked at each other, and they looked at Jesus, and they underestimated him. They underestimated who they were standing by and who was in their boat. And they didn't know that the power of Jesus applied to every situation. And maybe, just maybe, 
Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson in the storm. That he is the answer to no matter what you're going through. In every situation, he can bring a calm. You know, crisis in life has often been likened to and compared to storms at sea. Because you never know when they're going to hit. And, and, and they knock you off of your feet. They knock the wind out of you. They terrify people. They threaten to destroy stability and security. And sometimes in the middle of a storm, you're not sure if you're going to make it. You're not sure if you're going to survive. And sometimes in a storm, you're not sure how long they're going to last. Well, in the moment that Jesus said, peace, be still. I wonder, can you put yourself in that position and understand that the same God who calmed that storm can calm yours? And I want to dedicate this message to everybody who's going through a storm. You need to remember four things. Number one, that it's Jesus. Write this down, that Jesus is the one who can bring peace in the middle of your storm. Jesus gives peace in the middle of your storm. John 14, 27, another place, Jesus says, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. The world may give something and take it back. Uh Uh-uh. I give my peace to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm giving you my peace, Jesus said. Even in the storm. Philippians 4 comes along and the author, Paul, he writes this. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. Watch this. That transcends all understanding. Like, it's the kind of peace that doesn't even make sense. But your friends will look at you and say, I can't believe that you still have peace in the middle of your bankruptcy. I can't believe that you have peace in the middle of your relationship of what what you're going through. And you say, man, that's just God. It's God in me. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and it'll guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, everybody, Jesus is the one who gives peace in this storm. And then write this down because we have such an amazing God. This is not something that's over his head. Storms don't worry Jesus. Storms, they don't worry Jesus. He's not afraid of this. It's just funny because when I lived in Texas, I heard and I felt and I saw storms that I've never seen before in my life. I mean, we have, we have sprinkles compared to Texas. I don't know if you've ever lived in Texas. But one, one night, my daughters, Hadassah and Mariah, they're just, you know, babies at the time and barely able to walk and a storm hits and lightning crawls across the sky. And then on top of that, we have the booms that I've never heard in California before. It's so loud and my daughters are clinging to my leg and, and they're saying, Daddy, and the way, best way they can articulate it, Daddy, I'm scared. And they're holding onto my leg and then all of a sudden something happens, almost like a tornado effect where every window in our house was sucked in like... And then a boom hit like a shotgun beside your face or like a bomb outside. And it scared me. Like, I'm supposed to be the stable one and I'm afraid. Like, I'm like, girls, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, it's okay. It's just a storm. Oh, dear Lord, Jesus, help it. Diana, you know, I'm calling for my wife. That storm hit and I was terrified. Can I tell you? Our master, our father, our God is not terrified at a storm. John 16, 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you can have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. 
Listen, I know this is not the promise that any of you put on your fridge and the verse you memorize on the way to work. The Lord says, I'm going to have trouble. Praise the Lord. No, that's not the verse. But it's true. In the world, you will have trouble. Jesus goes on to say, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He's not terrified. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He didn't have butterflies in his stomach. He's not impatient. As a matter of fact, he's so calm, he's asleep. He's asleep in the boat. We're freaking out. Jesus, don't you care? Listen, that Jesus Christ was just as much in control And the disciples were just as safe in his hands when he was asleep than when he was awake. He is not worried by the storm. Jesus is God over the storm. Here's something that also is interesting to note. Because I feel like maybe you're here today and some of you feel like life for you has been one big voyage of one storm to the next. And it's interesting to me, because I was thinking about this this week, that sometimes when we're in a storm, we run to Jesus. Then there are other times where we're, we don't have a storm. And in those times where there's no storm, we're tempted to, to stray and to almost feel like, I got this, God. Like, there hasn't been a storm in a while. I'm good. I got this. And if you're not careful, we begin to drift. We begin to stray. And how come we, when, when a storm hits, it's, that's the time when our awareness of our need for Jesus is heightened and we run to him. It's usually not in the easy days that you grow a whole lot. It's usually in the days where God delivered you from something. And that's where you look back and say, that, that was a difficult season in my life, but that's where I grew the most. What's frustrating is, the, is this. We expect people who are running from God to hit a storm. We just kind of expect that. Like Jonah, you ran from God, boy, you're going to hit a storm. You ought to just know that. But what do you do when you're trying to follow God and you hit a storm? Like that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem like it's supposed to make sense. The disciples, I can imagine them thinking to themselves like, Jesus, we're only doing this because you told us to go here. Like we wouldn't even be in this mess If we weren't trying to follow you, they weren't in sin. They weren't in disobedience. This is a moment, ladies and gentlemen, it's just kind of like you and I, where we say, man, I'm just trying to follow God. I felt like God said to step out in faith. I did, and boom, I hit a storm. Well, that's why you need to realize that every storm does not come just because of sin and disobedience. But number three, sometimes God, he wants to do a work in you through the storm. Write that in your notes, that God can work in the storm. God can work in the storm. And a verse I know and love is Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know, we know. The disciples didn't know right here, but a few years down the road, they would know. And we now know on this side of the cross that in all things, not some things, all things, God works for the good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose, that God is working in something in you. God is working. And I know that some of you are here today. And you're like, I don't, I don't even know if Jesus knows where I am. I don't know if, he, if he's asleep. I don't even know if he cares. Listen, hold on, hold on. Wait a second, listen. 
You need to understand that just because you don't see God moving does not mean that he is not working. Jesus Christ is working behind the scenes. He's working something in you. He's working something in others. He's working something in the situation. He is working all things together for good to those who love him because he is calling you to a purpose that is higher and bigger than just you. He's working in the storm. He's working in the situation. You need to know that God, he didn't cause the storm, but he can work good out of the storm. Let me ask you a question. Where did Jesus say they were going? Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. They're not there yet. So if God has called you somewhere, if he's given you a promise and you're not there yet, Delay does not mean denial. It doesn't mean that just because you haven't reached it yet, that you should throw in the towel and jump overboard. Jesus said we're going to the other side. Well, guess what? We're going to the other side. And you need to know this. Number four, write this down. Let me end with this. That someone is waiting on the other side of your storm. Someone is waiting on the other side of your storm. When they made it to the other side, watch this. If you read on, In Mark chapter 4, in Mark chapter 5, they tie their boat up. And immediately, this guy comes running up to him who's broken. He is in desperate need of healing. He's been possessed for years. Jesus is there, and he's precious to God, but he is the outcast of the community. Well, Jesus touches him, frees him, brings him hope, and the guy is overwhelmed with the grace of Jesus, and he wants to go with Jesus. He's begging Jesus, please let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, 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 Mark 5, 19, you stay here. You stay here and tell everybody in this town what I've done for you and tell them about the mercy that, you, that I've shown you. And this guy, this, this madman turns into a missionary for the love of God. This is amazing to me. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay, let me ask you a question. Where would this guy have been had the disciples given up in the middle of their storm? There's so many people that bail in a storm. They quit in the storm. Times get tough, they bail. They come to church for a while, things are good. They hit a storm and we don't see them anymore. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God wants to use the lessons in the storm that you learn to help somebody on the other side of your storm. And if you bail too quickly... There are people on the other side of your storm that won't hear about the grace and the love and the power of God. Small groups are so important at our church. And I feel like every single one of us needs to be in a small group. Not just occasionally. We need to be in relationship with people who are running the same way as us. What I love about a lot of our small group leaders is that they take the storms that they've walked through and they help other people now with them. There's a lady named Pat in our church. She's lost a loved one, her husband. He was a great man. And I was there with them the last couple weeks. And it was a difficult season for her and her entire family. God is comforting her. The church is surrounding her. But what I love about this church is that we have men and women like her who even though they walk through a storm, she now is doing a small group for others who have lost a loved one. She's taking the lessons that she learned in a storm, and she's now using that 
to help other people get through theirs. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, there's somebody waiting on the other side of your storm. Let me close with this. If you're here today and you're going through a storm, there's two verses I want you to highlight and memorize. One is Isaiah 41.10. The prophet says, so do not fear. Speaking on God is speaking. Don't fear, for I'm with you. Don't fear, I'm right here. Don't be dismayed. Don't be frazzled. The ship's not going down. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you. Watch this, watch this. With my righteous right hand. That boat didn't stay afloat because of good architectural drawings on a boat. It it stayed afloat because of the righteous hand of God. You're not going to sink. Jesus is with you in the storm. Psalms 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and he is our strength. When you have no strength left, he is still our strength. And he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Storms are going to come. They will come. But here's the question. Do you have Jesus in the boat?